Children of Children's Church, the rest of you, let's open up our Bibles together to the Gospel of Matthew. And somebody turn the light on, please. So the Gospel of Matthew, we are at chapter 5 today as we continue on in our series. And we're picking up at verse 33. So that's chapter 5, verse 33. And we're going to read through verse 37. And somebody please get the lights. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old... You should not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or for by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil." Let's pray and ask for God's blessing on our time. Uh, God, as we uh, come before you, as we consider the idea of truth, as we look at what it means to be men and women of integrity and character, uh, that we're defined by our honesty and our our, our word being our bound, uh, we pray, God, that you would uh, meet with us, that you would convict us where Uh, This is a pattern of sin in our lives. We pray uh, that you would give us encouragement also, uh, that this is an area that we can grow in in Christ as we uh, strive to be a salt and a light in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Simple question. Do we live in an age of truth or lies? Do you normally trust Or do you normally doubt the information that is being communicated to you? So truth or lie? Truth, raise your hand for truth. Raise if we live in a day of lies. All right. Raise your hand if you you trust everything. Raise your hand if you doubt most things. All right, amen. All right, that's where we are. I mean, that's it. I mean, we, we live in a day and age where there's things like hashtag fake news. We have fact finders out there who, when a politician says something, you'll go online and there's people verifying that what was said is actually what is true. News stations, there's fact finding on stories that they've shared and not shared. Think about it on social media. I don't know about you. Have you ever been duped by a story posted online where you're like, did you know that such and such said this or did this? And then you come to find out that person never actually said it. But man, the story looked real, and, or was, and it showed a picture from some other event that was unrelated. There's this, we're, we're inundated in our culture with lies and deceit. We live in a day and age of lies. We live in a culture of misdirection and half-truths. But rather than the truth being esteemed and valued, truth is often very elusive in the world in which we live. But that should not be the case amongst God's people. As followers of Jesus, we are to be men and women of integrity and truthfulness, uprightness. Honesty is a defining mark as a follower of Jesus Christ. Our word should be our bond. And that's what we're going to consider today in Jesus's words on oaths. Uh, In order to do it, we're going to ask three questions, okay? So if you're a note taker and want to follow along with where we're going, first question we're going to ask is, what is the background on oaths? 
Like, what, what is Jesus talking about? Why is this relevant? So we're going to unpack some of the, the biblical uh, background and the history of why they were making oaths in the first place. Secondly, we're going to ask the question, what is bothersome about oaths? What's the big deal? Why is Jesus saying, I'm telling you, don't even make any of them? Well, why? What, what is wrong with the current culture that he's addressing on this matter? And then our last question that we're going to ask is, what is better than oaths? What is Jesus's alternative option? Instead of swearing and making oaths, what does he suggest instead? So we're going to consider that and the ramifications if we don't. All right, so let's get started. Let's pick up at verse 33 and ask the question, what is the background on oaths? Once again, we got to remember the immediate context. We are in the Sermon on the Mount, right? And specifically, what we've seen Jesus doing in the preceding few verses is we've seen Jesus intensify things, right? So he talked about murder, and they felt they were good because they weren't murdering people. And Jesus is like, yeah, if you called your brother fool, you basically have murdered him in your heart. You're guilty of sin and judgment. Then they talked about lust and like, hey, it, I, I haven't committed adultery, but I've lusted, but that's not that big of a deal. And Jesus is like, no, if you've lusted, you've committed adultery in the heart. And then divorce, they're like, yeah, we're doing divorces, but we're doing them the right way. So it's not that big of a deal. So it's that idea of intensification that Jesus is dealing with. And it, it's really hard issues. The other thing that we have to remember is Jesus used a metaphor earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount down at verse 13. Do you remember it? You are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on and says, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. And what we glean from that, what we learn is that you and I, God has placed us in this world to be a representative of him. So we are to, to, to save, to preserve, to impact. Like we have a significant role in an unbelieving world as a follower of Jesus. And one of the ways that that manifests itself, one of the ways that it plays itself out is that you and I are different. You and I are not like the world, that we stand out. And I would say on this subject specifically, we are way different when we are not buying into the lies and being deceitful people. Not like the world. All right, so first of all, background on oath. Oaths are the result of lying. Understand that. The reason there are oaths is because lying and deceit are part of us as fallen humanity. He says right here, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. He, he's talking about how that was, that was kind of common knowledge, common understanding that, hey, don't lie. Don't make promises you don't intend to keep. Don't say one thing that you know is not true and argue that it is true. The, the prohibition to not swear falsely implies that there is a possibility that they might do what? Swear falsely. Think about it with warranties and extended warranties. Would warranties exist if things never broke? Why not? Because there would be no point. I mean, think about it. If you bought a car and it never broke down, ever, it'd be your forever car, right? That's not how it works, though. You buy a car and then you got a warranty, and then like, and they're always trying to plug. I mean, even now, like, my one car is old, and I, I get these letters in the mail. 
you're almost too late for an extended warranty, but we're willing, and it's the idea, and it's, but the point of the warranty, the, the point of that is things break, therefore you, there's a need for it. There would be no need to swear. There would be no need for oaths if people were always honest. It would be unnecessary. What, why do you need to say that? I already know you're, what you're saying is true. But that's the problem. That's where it sees. That's, it's the human tendency to lie. It's, it started in the garden, right? With Satan. I mean, that, the, their first experience in the Bible of lying and deceit is in the garden. Where Satan said some true stuff mixed with lies and manipulation and, and deceit. Jesus even looks back in John, speaking of Satan, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And it doesn't just stop. It's just not lying is a Satan thing and we see Satan. No, we see God's people throughout the Bible. Guess what they're really good at doing? Lying. Just look at the patriarchs. Look at Abraham. Did Abraham ever lie? What did he say about his wife? His wife is his sister. I mean, he he lied about that. So we have him lying. We have Jacob. You remember what he did to dad? He pretended to be brother. He pretended to be Harry Esau to steal the birthright. He lied there. Jacob kind of comes full circle with him. He's lied to by Laban, his father-in-law. And then later on, his sons lie to him about what happened to Joseph. So we see it. But okay, so it doesn't stop though in the Old Testament. We get in the New Testament, we see lying. Probably one of the most uh, well-known lying in the New Testament is Ananias and Sapphira. They sell property and they lie about how much money they got for the property. And Acts 5, 4 says this, Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. The need for oaths is because humanity is deceitful. That is the reality. That's why we do it, because people have a tendency to lie, to make up things, and with no consequences. Proverbs 6.16, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him. And guess what? Two of them are dealing with lying. A lying tongue and a false witness who breathes out lies. God despises, he hates those things. That's a problem. And I have to ask, do you struggle with lying? Because I think when I ask that question, if we're being vulnerable with one another, I think most of us lie a little. We'll say something and we realize what we said wasn't true. And rather than correct it, we kind of let that lie go on. Like, well, I, I, was, I was a little off, but we, we justify it. We, we explain it away. Like lying is lying. There's not degrees of lying. You're either speaking truth or you're speaking lies. It's, it's not, well, it's kind of a truth. Also, have you been lied to? Is lying a problem in this world? Is truth under attack? 
Because oaths are not just simply the result of lying. Oaths are to be rooted in the Lord. Understand this. So kind of a, a historical background on this within the monks, God's people, is oaths were to be rooted in the Lord. He says, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And I want to understand, I want you to understand this. Oaths in and of themselves are not necessarily wrong per se. And I'll even say a little bit later, I don't think they rule out any and all oaths that we make. Because if you think of the context, what was the previous passage we talked about? Marriage. And marriage is an oath. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a a commitment where you're swearing before God and man that you're going to honor that covenant. So I'm not saying that God is throwing the baby out with the bathwater and oaths are completely done away with. But we'll, we'll talk more on that. But listen, I mean, because we see these oaths throughout even the Bible, through the New Testament. Galatians 1.20, Paul declares an oath. He says, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. So he is swearing before God to the Galatians that what he is saying is truthful. Matthew 26.63, this is Jesus. They're talking to him and they say to Jesus, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus, under oath... Guess what he says? You have said so. So he's acknowledging that he's the Christ. Hebrews 6.16 says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So the author of Hebrews is speaking of oaths as though it's no big deal at all. That's what people do. You, You do them. So the time and place, I think there is necessity sometimes to have with these solemn promises. Even, like I said, the context of marriage and a covenant. Uh, I've been, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I love uh, road construction. I think it's spectacular, uh, especially where I live in the Maumee area. Now, you have it around every corner, so it's, it's great. I, I love adding minutes upon minutes to every place I go to. But the one place I've been driving, I drive by on Monclova Road every single day, four or five, six times, they are putting in a bridge. So I've been, I get to watch this. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I'm annoyed by road construction. That was sarcasm. But I am kind of intrigued watching the process. And they have these giant steel piles that they've driven into the ground. I went online and watched videos about it because I was like, what in the world is that? At one point, the pile is at least 20 to 30 feet above the road. And like, we're debating if they're going to have a hill bridge. And like, we literally had that conversation in our family. I was like, oh, that seems like really steep. That would be awkward. No, they drive those further into the ground, deep into the ground, like 20, 30 feet. And the point of it is those steel piles provide support to carry the weight of vehicles and semis and everything else going over that bridge at 70 and 80 miles an hour. And so you see kind of the biblical idea of the point of the oath is like the steel pile providing support to your word. Now, if those steel piles weren't there and it was this little rinky-dink bridge, not many people are going to want to drive over it. And I think when we don't have that support sometimes in our word, people are suspect. People are questionable. Uh, Numbers 32 says this, Numbers chapter 30 verse 2, if a man vows a vow to the Lord and he swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that he proceeds out of his mouth. So when we're swearing in the Lord, we're, we're, we're 
further validating that what we say is true. And the hearer is hearing that as he must be serious about this because why would he swear to the Lord unless what he said is true? So it gives greater support to the word. It helps to prevent lying. I would say it, it helps to prevent the consequences for lying. Deuteronomy 23 verse 21, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it for the Lord your God will surely require it of you and you will be guilty of sin if you break that word. So it's a, as a result of false swearing, you're guilty as a sinner. So that's the point of the oath, to support your word, to, to validate that what you're saying is true. Well, do you keep your word? What oaths have you made and not fallen through? Do you fear consequences for breaking promises, for lying, for deceit? I think too many Christians are okay with half-truths coming out of their mouth when they get caught in lies and they just kind of shrug it off and not make a big deal. This is a big deal to God. I mean, think about it. Sermon on the Mount, one of the most important sermons that we've ever seen or heard, and God thought it was important enough to give this much content on the subject in the Sermon on the Mount. So that was the first question. What's the background on oaths? Result of lying, rooted in the word. Secondly, what is bothersome about oaths? And what we're going to see is the scribes, the Pharisees, they were perverting and twisting the rules, twisting the law. They began to use oaths as a, as a means of deceit. First problem we have is they had levels of binding, levels of binding. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's a footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So what they did is they were making distinctions of binding versus not binding. Matthew 23, 16 gives us an example of this. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple... He is bound by his oath. So they had categorized oaths as to binding and non-binding. The non-binding ones were the ones that you swore not to the Lord. But if you swore to the Lord, it was binding. I, I think about it with like kids sometimes. They'll make promises. They will uh, make declarations sometimes. I remember even like the elementary kind of sense. And then if you looked behind them, they might have done this. What'd they do? Finger crossed. And if you do your finger cross, it doesn't count. Right? I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous. We're talking about children. This is what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing. Finger cross oaths. They don't really count. They don't. But they sure sounded good. They sounded sincere. They sounded important. Matthew 23, 18, he says, And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. So what had happened in this distinguishing between binding and non-binding oaths, it ended up being acceptable lies that they could use for deceit. So they were willfully lying. They knew that they were lying but it sounded so sincere, it would easily trick the hearer. You understand? 
Because like, man, he, he swore to this. He did this. He, like, he's got to be telling the truth. All the while, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm lying. And they thought this was okay. They thought this was acceptable. They thought this was tolerable to, to God. They talked a good game. Proverbs 14, 5 warns, An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. And that's what these false witnesses do. They were pouring out lies, but they were testifying and witnessing. As long as they didn't swear to the Lord. And I think we start seeing a heart problem, right? That you and I, left to ourselves, we like to explain away our sin. We justify, we rationalize, we give excuses. Even Adam in the garden, after he sins, he says, it's the woman you gave me. And then Eve's like, it was that serpent. Like we, we love, so like even in this, these, these experts of the law thought it was okay to use the law to defend their deceit and lies. Are you okay? Are you tolerant with white lies? How often do you deceive? Do you feel conviction when you say something that is untrue and you realize it? Because part of the problem when we do that, our silence is validating the lie. But it's awkward to acknowledge, hey, I was wrong. What I said was not true. Do you understand? Because there's levels of binding, but here's the big issue. And this is what I want us to really kind of camp out on. I want us to grasp and understand there's a whole lot of blasphemy going on with these oaths. He says, do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. He's not just swearing on other stuff. What appears to be happening is they are swearing on their own lives. Their own, like, their own head. That's why he said, you can't, I mean, you could with like hair coloring, but you understand what he's saying. You can't control the color of your hair. You don't have that kind of control. And what he's saying, though, in the midst of all of this, is that every oath sworn at the end of the day is dishonoring God when you break the oath. That's the problem. Matthew 23, 17, listen. This was in the midst of those verses I just read. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? You remember, they're making those distinguishes, distinctions between what is binding and what's not. He says, whoever swears by the altar, swears by it, and swears by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears by it, in, and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits upon it. In other words, all swearing is ultimately to God. Do you understand that? I don't know about you, but I've encountered people over the years who love loopholes. You know what a loophole is? A way to try to get out of the rules or the laws. I I think teachers, teachers sometimes deal with a student who will cheat and be like, did you directly say that I couldn't do this? Like in today's world, we have the artificial intelligence stuff where you can go online. Like teachers have to say now, you are not allowed to use AI to write this paper. Like we never said, you just said don't have a person, but it really is not a person. It's a computer and you understand, like it's a loophole. And what they were doing is this was a loophole. They thought it was okay 
to lie because, hey, at the end of the day, I did not swear to God. And what he is saying here is if you swore, it was to God. Whether you swore by your hair on your head, if you swore by the altar, if you, whatever you did, at the end of the day, who is over all of those things? God, right? Leviticus 19.12, you should not swear by, name, by my name falsely and profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And what I think he's doing is he's humbling us. He's making us take our word very swear, seriously. Because all swearing is ultimately to God. Because God rules and reigns over everything. If I swear by this podium or I swear by God, God is sovereign even over this podium. So it is ultimately to God. So that's why he's telling us to exercise great caution with our oaths and our promises. And I think part of the problem in all this too is that you and I can't guarantee anything. He just stressed that you can't change the color of your hair, at least on your own volition. You and I should not guarantee stuff because we don't really have the authority. We don't have the sovereign power to guarantee that it's going to happen. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So translation, don't be flippant in our vows. Are you reverent of the Lord? Do you have a healthy fear of God? Do you see how binding your words should typically be? Do you see the danger of explaining away your sin? This is a big deal, friends. So we've asked, what is the background? We saw its result of lying rooted in the Lord. We saw what's bothersome about oaths, levels of, of binding, lots of blasphemy. But at the end of the day, what God desires is us to be men and women of integrity. That's what he's, he's the heart of the matter. Because there's the right way that he speaks of. He says, so what I want you to do, rather than swearing on this and swearing on that and vowing on this and vowing on that, I simply want you to do one thing. I want you, let what you say be simply yes or no. Because what we've seen so far is what not to do. As I've mentioned, I'm coaching junior high football this year with one of my friends. And one of the things that we're really having to uh, retrain, recoach, and teaching on is proper tackling. Because there's just a tendency at that age that when kids go in to tackle, they, they're kind of a mess. They'll go in, they'll put their head down, and they'll just kind of lunge at the person. And one, you often don't tackle the person. Two, head down like that, there's a chance that there's going to be a neck injury, and that's a lifetime consequence of that. So what we do is we show them how to properly tackle, to, to get down low, to go in, to keep your head up, to kind of put your shoulder in, wrap your arms around. And we've been doing that. So it, it's very repetitive, but it's, it's showing them the right way to do it. And what Jesus is doing here is he is showing the right way when it comes to your word. And it's just simply this, let your yes be yes and your no be no. No deceit in your speech. Ephesians 4.25 says, Each of you put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In other words, there should be no du duplicity in how you speak. That if you say it, it's true. If you promise it, 
for as much as you're able to guarantee, it should be a promise that you're going to keep. That's the Christian way. That is the way of Jesus. That is how we are to live. We don't say yes and actually mean no. We don't say no and actually mean yes. This is more than just changing one's mind too. This is a matter of character, of integrity. Proverbs eleven three: the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. These are heart issues. Do you understand that? These are matters where our intent is to lie and to deceive. So, so let's, let's look in the mirror. Is your yes a yes? Is your no a no? Or do you straddle the fence on being truthful? I mean, if somebody is looking at you, they, they know you well, and they're asked to describe you in so many words, would honest be one of the words that they would use to describe you? Because that really should be the case for every single person in this room if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That one of our central qualities as a follower of the Lord is trustworthy. That if he said this, or if she said that, what she said is true. That there should be no suspect of well, I don't know. They've lied to me before. That's what he's getting at. Can you be trusted? Are you known for your integrity? Your character? That's a big deal. But not only the right way, there's the real warning he gives. He goes on and says, let your yes be yes, no be no. And he says, anything more than this comes from evil. In other words, what he's saying is swearing these oaths, it is extra. It is unnecessary. I went to a restaurant on Friday night after the football game, and it was really good. But I, as a former waiter, it always cracks me up how much they try to upsell you. Like they come and they, like, and there's always that look of disappointment in the waiter when you say water. Because they're ready. They're like, here are our drink specials. And I'm like, do you have water with some water? And a lemon. So, so water, and then they're like, they immediately like, hey, before, while I go get drinks, would you like to be put an appetizer in? And I'm like, no, we're good on appetizer. And then after you eat the meal, they're like, what do you want for dessert? Like nothing. I just want my water, my hamburger, my fries. I, and, and, or even uh, the other job I had, similar situation as I worked in a clothing store. And like somebody would come in to buy a shirt and it was my job to get them to buy belts, socks, pants, and maybe even a coat. You know, upsell it. And like they would, and sometimes you'd get customers who get so frustrated. Like, I just need the pants. I'm like, but would you like another pair of pants? And what we see here with oaths, what we see here with swearing is it's like the upsell and you don't need the upsell. James 5.12 says this, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and no be no. Have we heard that before? So that you may not fall under judgment. We don't need it. It's okay to enter into oaths, as I said. I think there is a time and a place where you need that solemn, binding nature at, at times based on the fact that we see it in the New Testament. But I think the issue is they were using everything as a reason to make these bold declarations. But notice here, and here's the key that I want to kind of wrap this part up with, 
He says, anything that more that comes from this is from where? It says evil. Actually, it's got the article. It's the evil one. So you adding on to your word is, is you ultimately buying into Satan. Acts 5.3, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds, proceeds of the land. Swearing is directed by the devil, and that's what he does. Second Thessalonians 2.9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Satan loves deception. Satan loves lies. He loves it because at the end of the day, who does it dishonor? It dishonors God. Do we want to dishonor God? Everybody nod your head, no. So one of the ways that on a practical level that we don't dishonor God is we're men and women of our word. We don't have to add, I don't have to vow and make promises because I'm a man of integrity, and if I say it, it's going to happen. Or are you in the habit of vowing? Do you need to confess? Do you need to see that Satan's hand is in all this? Do you want to honor God or the devil? Uh, the New Republic. It's an American magazine of commentary on politics, contemporary culture, and the arts. Uh, it's somewhat, over the years, have been pretty esteemed as kind of a, a prestigious magazine. Uh, it was actually on Air Force One over several presidencies. So where you and I are reading about what we can order uh, in the news, or you know what I mean when we're at an airplane, like they had the New Republic. Well, they had a particular editor that uh, became quite famous for the New Republic. His name was Stephen Glass. He was a younger, he was actually the youngest editor at the magazine at the time. He had a very um, likable personality, and he was a great storyteller. And he became very popular. He kind of was a skyrocket in the magazine. Well, he wrote a particular article that was outlandish, but it was really interesting, and people got into it. Well, uh, one of the writers at another magazine got yelled at by his boss why he didn't get to this story first. He's like, because I never heard of the story. So he started doing some fact-finding, and he started doubting the validity of the story that this guy was becoming so famous for. And it, over that one of his own editors started, so they presented the concerns, and they started doing that. And then what ended up happening with Stephen is 41 stories that he had written, 27 were either partially or completely fabricated. Total deception. And this wasn't fiction writing, even though he was writing fiction. These were, this was like valid stories, like you and I reading, assuming this really happened, and none of it happened. And I think the truth of the matter is we live in a world filled with Stephen Glasses. Maybe not to the level of him, but still a whole lot of lying and deceit and half-truths. But that should not be a world that you and I conform like the world. That should not be the case amongst God's people. As followers of Jesus, we are to be men and women of integrity and uprightness. Honesty is the defining mark of us as Christians. Our word should be our bond. 
one of those things in parenting in our household is we have a no, my kids will testify to it, we have a no lying policy. You want to get in the most trouble in the Hillridge household with dad, lie. You can make a pretty big mess. You own it. I'm going to be frustrated and disappointed, and there might be some consequences, but if I catch you lying and you hold on to that lie for a while and come back, there are going to be severe consequences as a result. And I think we, as the church, we as Christians need to have a no lying policy. Now, does that mean we're never going to lie? We're sinners. We're going to mess up. But I'm talking about tendency identity and and the occasional man I messed up there. That should not be the case. As best as we can, we need to be men and women of our word. Yes be yes, no be no. I mean, think of it in regards, we're followers of Jesus, and if you remember in John, Jesus said one thing. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. But right in the middle, what does he say? He's the truth. Well, if we're a follower of the truth, doesn't that mean that you and I will be truthful, right? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, and we uh, thank you that, one, you're patient with us. We thank you, God, that you um, put up with us, that you grow us over time. So I even know on this particular subject matter that some of us here are struggling being deceptive and not being as honest as we should be. I, I pray, God, that you would bring conviction. I bring, bring confession, that you would bring repentance. But I, I, I thank you, God, uh, that you are truthful. And because of your spirit living and dwelling inside of us, we can be truthful. So I, I pray for all of us that we would be known for our honesty, that we would be men and women and children of integrity and character. I I pray for all the students here that they would be trustworthy as they go into their school here. I I pray for all the adults here as at their workplaces, that even if all their coworkers are lying and manipulating and twisting, that they would be different because they are a follower of Jesus. We pray in his precious name. Amen. Would you stand?